The Joy Unleashed show empowers and inspires women to reclaim their joy. We provide tools, resources, and connections to help you unlock your true potential through engaging conversations, expert insights, and transformative stories. We create a vibrant and inclusive community where women can break free from the limitations that hold them back. I'm joyologist Colleen Greco, and it is my honor to be your host. Let's get right into the show. If you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like you don't quite know your purpose, or maybe you know it, but you just can't find the path toward it. If you're uncomfortable in your own skin and want to finally master self-love, then we need to talk. I'm Colleen Greco, and I'm your joyologist. I help women just like you to reclaim the joy they feel is missing in their life through mindset coaching and nutrition coaching. Whether you have weight to lose or simply need to get your gut in check, I've got you. We'll work together to retire limiting beliefs. Those are the stories that are keeping you from your purpose. I need you to hear me. Those are the stories that we need to get rid of in order to get you on your path to your purpose. We will work together to get you that life you've always dreamed of. It would be my honor to connect with you. Reach out to me via Instagram at the Colleen Greco or email Colleen at ColleenGreco.com. Let's get you back to the show. Welcome back to the Joy and Lee show. I am your host, Colleen Greco and your resident joyologist. And today I have the pleasure of welcoming Amanda Verjuel. She is an entrepreneur, consultant, mom, and so much more. I'm so excited to have this conversation with her. I'll let her fill you in uh, on the who and the how. So without further ado, let's welcome Amanda to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have our conversation today. And, um, you know, without further ado, please take a moment and, and tell everybody a little bit about yourself. All the things. So I am a global business consultant and creative strategist, which is just a lot of words for saying I tell people or help people in their businesses get more done and really understand what's going to grow their business and get them there without sacrificing their lives, basically, because as entrepreneurs, I feel like a lot of us you know, it's that whole old saying of, oh, well, work, work for yourself and you'll never, you know, work, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I'm like, no, like do what you love and you're going to work 24 seven, 365. And I've done that as an entrepreneur and there is, there are other ways to do it. So I teach other ways to do it and I'm happy to teach those workaholics. I'm a workaholic. I love it. But that's what I do for the most part is I help you get out of your own way and get stuff done while still allowing you to have a real life. As we're looking in the background here, I'm like, oh, look, at there's real life in the background there. There's some <laughs> Christmas chaos. Got my kid over here. We, I homeschool. I'm a solo parent. I understand what it's like to have a lot of businesses. I, I do have multiple businesses across multiple states and countries. So it's a lot, but I don't, I don't want to be a slave to my business and most of my, my clients don't either. So that's what I do. Oh, I love that you're being so real because, you know, there's the Instagram version of our lives where everything is perfectly quaffed and, you know, the sweater I have on today looks cute, but you can't tell I have jammies and slippers on underneath. Totally. <laughs> these are like, these are the jammies I probably should put in the wash today underneath there. <laughs> they can walk themselves. Business up top, <laughs> chaos down below. I love it. Well, I'm really interested in, in understanding what led you to become an entrepreneur in the first place. When I read more about you on your website, I read about like, you know, the lemonade stand era and things like that. But what really made you feel like, I don't want to be a slave to corporate life. And I really believe my calling is much more in um, the entrepreneurial space, helping other people reach their goals. I think it really started from discontent being upset that something wasn't going, and I know that makes it sound like I'm like a petulant child, like it's not going my way. I don't, I'm not getting the way I want to go. But <laughs> no, really, I think a lot of entrepreneurship does come from sensing uh, a better way to do something or feeling like there's a problem that we're not finding a solution to. So a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included, it, our journey began with thinking there was a better way finding something that there wasn't a solution for, like having a problem that there wasn't really an effective solution for and filling that need 
And that's basically how I got started. I used to be a television producer. I absolutely loved my job in television production. I loved most of the people I worked with. I really, I still talk with them 20 years later. I, I just got off the phone with my old, one of my old producers, um, I don't know, a couple of days ago and she's in France. We haven't spoken to each other in years, but it, it's, I loved that job. So I want people to understand that entrepreneurship doesn't necessarily mean that you don't believe or can't do corporate. So a lot of people are like, oh, you don't fit in a corporate world. So, or you just were so burnt out and that's why you switched. And, and I think COVID did that to a lot of people as they got burnt out mm -hmm. and felt undervalued. And so they made a switch into their own world. But for me and for me, I loved what I did and I still recognized something in me that wanted more, that wanted something, a direction that was uniquely mine and that I could leave as a legacy beyond me. And, and part of that legacy, and at the time I didn't have a kid or even thoughts of having kids. I was in my early twenties and I still wanted to be able to leave a legacy of leaving the world a better place and to have an impact on the world that I wasn't going to get through television and through the avenues that I had been working in, uh, in a more corporate world. So I wanted to have that impact and that legacy. And in order to do that, I had to go out on my own. I love, and I can completely relate to a lot of what you're saying because the same thing happened to me. I was in corporate America for 26 years, I think is the correct math. And I had a trauma in the house and I had gained a lot of weight. And so there was this woman that was about 60-ish that looked as though she lost weight. We went to the same gym. So naturally is like, what was I, 42 or something like that. I could relate to the 60-year-old woman. And the fact that she lost weight made me believe I could, right? That was the mindset. So I signed up at the same nutrition coaching company, which I will not name, but uh, she had lost about 25 pounds. And so I thought, wow, I can do this. I ended up during my journey talking to my coach about developing strategies to never have to do this again. How about we just set this up for success once? And he said, I'm not your therapist. And it was like at that moment, I'm like, oh, I can do this much better. Because if you don't realize it's all of this is about emotion and food is just like the fuel that we're using or the weapon yeah. that we're using, you have completely missed the boat. So, you know, thanks for the match. I'll light the fire. And once I had completed my journey, I sat out on my own and it's been so rewarding. And it doesn't mean I can't go back to corporate, but I just don't see myself in that scenario anymore. I just see myself like wanting to help people. I talk a lot about work me out of a job. I would love to then go on to something else, solve some other problem, spin it up, get it done, move on again. So I, I love what you're saying and I can totally relate. I kind of feel like that that trainer missed, left a lot of money on the table. I used to own, or I guess I still own a couple of fitness businesses and I used to work as a personal trainer and it's absolutely therapy. It's absolutely <laughs> therapy. Uh, uh, that is a crazy, whoever your, your tr trainer was there, you're leaving money on the table if that's your mindset. So yeah. Good guy. Helped yeah. me lose a lot of weight. Uh, not much on shade, but introduced me to yeah. my calling, which, you know, yeah. it took me a little while to be thankful for that. At first I was like, that's so mean. Why wouldn't you? I was good to you. Why wouldn't you want to help me? So funny. Well, tell me what um, inspires you or, or lights you up. What gets you going every morning? Because you are your own boss. So if you decide you don't want to work today, you don't really have to. So what's the thing that kind of keeps you in check and moving forward? There are a lot of things. I think if it were just one thing, I would get burnt out. Because if you only have one drive in your life, what happens when that's not lighting you up for whatever reason, whether it's just you're tired or you haven't slept in five days or you just spent all night wrapping Christmas presents only to find out that you put the wrong, you didn't put the tags on them and you have to rewrap them. I'm not saying that happened, but maybe it did. Uh, so <laughs> times. Oh, tell me about it. So <laughs> for me, I have a couple of things that realize number one, I love work. I love working. I love the feeling of accomplishing something, of meeting a goal, of setting myself a ridiculously high goal and then exceeding it. I just, I love that feeling. 
And I love also creating that for my clients. So if I'm not working on my own side stuff, I want my clients to be there. So like when I have, when I take on a client as a business consultant job, I, I find myself working on their things because I really want them to have that spark and to get back some of the joy that often they have lost in their businesses. Because when you're in the grind as a, as a business owner, particularly when you're a solopreneur, you don't have a team that you've set up for yourself. It is, you're, you're wearing all the hats all the time. When people talk about it, you're wearing all the hats, you're spinning plates and you really are. And it's really hard to understand if you haven't been in a entrepreneurial role, even if you have, and I'm not throwing shade at the MBA program, but even if you've gone through the MBA program, but never actually owned a business, it's really hard to see how that affects you. And so obviously loving, loving what I do is a fire for me and setting up new projects always lights me up knowing that I'm doing it for a good reason. So whether that's for a charity or for my kid or so that I can, you know, have a lifestyle that sets us up for success and brings us joy. Because again, I homeschool my kid. Uh, and with that comes, like I take him traveling with me, like we go places, we do things. And I have to set myself up for success too, because I have to include him in how I work and how I live. So it's setting up those adventures and, and having a spark that I can uh, rely on when it gets tough, which it's going to like, there's no such thing as an entrepreneur journey that doesn't have some major pitfalls. And if you're not willing to be uncomfortable, you're going to have a hard time being in the entrepreneurial world because being comfortable with uncomfortable is part of the growth that you're going to find. And you have to have it. And you're, how long's Christmas, Bob's Christmas is a while. <laughs> and there he is. I love yes, it. there and he is. Nice, yesterday, yesterday he was he interrupted a meeting so that he could ask me what happens if Santa Claus gets sucked into the vortex of a black hole, and I'm like, well, that's a big question for a five year old. Uh, let's table that. We'll go to the library. What if he doesn't? <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, you you talk a lot about you know your solo parent. You're an entrepreneur, you're, you're all the things, you know, you wear all the hats. And so it's really easy when that is the scenario for you to lose sight of who you are as an individual. So how do you structure your week to make sure that you get some Amanda time, which is really, you know, like that shower, which we're working on everyone, the listeners, just before we started, we, we talked about, I'm going to help Amanda get her own, her own shower time. Um, but truly, I mean, it's very easy to lose sight of yourself or sight of what day it is, what week it is, what's what's coming in advance, you know, because you're always on. So what, um, you know, regular practices do you have in place to help avoid that? First of all, I'm not always on. I'm very, <laughs> I don't even always have pants on. So like, I'm not always on. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to use that in the title. Find out whether or not she always has pants on. I don't. For so many reasons, I don't. Uh, so finding a man of time is a struggle. I'm not going to lie. It's a struggle because, and I don't know if this is my personal personality or if it's a, a side effect of being a woman. I know people want to throw women into this, this box, but, and we do tend, or I do tend to put everybody in front of me mm -hmm. and it also fills up one of my cups, if you want to call it that, to do that. So I actually do get joy from giving to others. I mean, if you want to talk about love languages, like my love language is acts of service. And so I tend to use acts of service to show love as well. So I definitely enjoy giving out, doing that. So it's hard to find time for myself because if, if that's my love language, giving like acts of service for myself, I'm like, well, I could probably put that off instead do this for somebody else. Or mm -hmm. so it is difficult. I do find a lot of that comes for me once the kid's asleep, like once he goes to bed and once I've done some work that makes me feel like I've accomplished my top three goals of the day because I generally set up every night, I, I give myself three goals to achieve the next day because our to-do lists are infinitely long. There's no such thing as a to-do list that's going to go away unless I'm dead. So there's always going to be a to-do list. So I always make sure that I have just three things on that list. So that it's attainable. Like I feel like I'm putting 
effort into my major goal with these three things and everything else is a bonus so that when I put my kid to bed, if I've got nothing done because it's a tough day or we had an adventure or whatever, uh, I get those three things done and then I add into my own bucket. So usually at night for like a nighttime personal routine, I like to read something that has absolutely nothing to do with business. I tend to read a lot of business stuff. I, I get all fired up in the mornings and I'll listen to my podcasts and I'll listen to audiobooks or read. I try to read, like actually read because it's quieter in my brain. So I'll read something that's business related in the mornings, get myself fired up for the day. But at night, I just I shut off business and I will watch some like mindless television for half an hour. I will like, drink a glass of wine. I will this, I will read something that is in no way, shape, or form, even remotely related to business. And it helps just kind of remind myself that I'm like an actual person outside of my business and outside of things. And then, of course, I have an executive team, which is both personal and, and professional. So I have my professional team, which is like my legal team, my accountants, my CPAs, my business partners. But then I also have an executive team of just like other business owners that I connect with on a personal level, which in, in some ways is business partners as well. Some of those overlap. Mm -hmm. And we just talk about things that are like, we'll have meetings, like my business partner for the pursuit of badassery. We have meetings almost every day. And the first half of that meeting is just a checkup on who we are as people and like what's going on. And then we dive into business and get stuff done. So it it's important, I think, to have that outlet of being somebody separate from your business, even though I as a business owner, that's part, it's a huge part of who I am. And I, I actually have a hard time separating out personal and business in the, in the way that I, I really identify. I want to talk about businesses. I want to like, I want to sit down and like talk about your business and what's happening in it and how we can improve it. It's, it's kind of, we'll call it a character flaw. Uh, no, I don't I know. It's, it's something great. I love. I love it. I think it's great. Okay. So first of all, women who don't put themselves first are generally why I have a job. So <laughs> job security, you're just welcome. saying that you're not alone there. Um, and what I end up teaching them over time is when you put yourself first, you actually give your son, your business partner, your personal and professional board of directors, call it what you want, um, the very best version of yourself. And so that's a really important step. And I'm, I'm sure you acknowledge that because, um, you know, just from everything you've said, it's like, you definitely get it. We have, you know, my own personal board of directors, we call it like our, our WhatsApp group name is, um, girls camp nice. because we met on a retreat and it was like, I had never had that connection with somebody where I could really feel like I could be myself and they understood, you know, the, the challenges I faced. No one, in, in my group has ever worked as hard as I had growing up. Right. So it was always like, I never felt like I had a, a spot where I belonged, but girls camp is fun. And girls camp is like, yes, I can relate, you know, and we give each other permission to take breaks and encourage each other to not work that standard nine to five, you know, without breaks or an excuse as to why you had to go to the bathroom. Right. Like it's just, you know, permission to be human. So I, love that you have that for yourself. I think it's like one of those components to life that people don't talk about enough, that you you are hardwired for connection. You can't and shouldn't do this life alone. And so it's great that you have those people that you can lean on. I think that's amazing. And I think it really took a long time for me to get there because yeah. when I started out as a solopreneur, and I know a lot of people can relate to this. It's, you know, I was born in the early 80s. So um, the idea that if you want it done right, you do it yourself. I think that was something that was really, oh, yes. I don't know what it is about our generation. Like we can't ask for help. I don't know what it is. So for a long, long time, I lived in that world of, if you want it done right, do it yourself. You, you can't rely on other people. You've got to do it yourself. It's If you want something, if you want to go far, you've got to really rely on yourself. You can't trust people to get it done the way you want it to get it done. It's very perfectionist. Yeah. Like I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I get that. Oh, same. And, and you know, sleep is for the week. I'll sleep when I'm dead. But I'm dead. <laughs> you can. And I realized later in life that the reason I had that, that, that was so strong in me is that I hadn't found people that were worth relying on. Mm -hmm. And I was surrounding myself with the wrong people. But as you come into your entrepreneur, as, as I came into my entrepreneur, entrepreneurial career and, and developed as a leader, I started to develop those relationships that actually 
deposited into me and that I could actually trust people and that in order to go far, you really do need a team. If you want to go fast, like, yeah, do it on your own. And, and I did that for a long, long time and it worked for what it worked for. And now I really understand that I've created a team of people, both employees, as well as the people that are just working adjacent to me or that I work with as partners, that I'm able to get more done and go further and go, you know, happier Mm -hmm. Because I've surrounded myself by the right people and people who will really push you without being a yes man. Like, I don't need somebody just to blow sunshine. I need someone who's going to challenge me and call me out on my BS, which there's a lot of it. So I need someone to call me on that and hold space for me when I am on fire and support me in that and not make it about them, as well as hold space for me when I am in the trenches, which is a lot as an entrepreneur. You just, you, you can't not be there. And they're right. both personal and professional. There's going to be places that are uncomfortable, like I said. It, and you need to have a, a group of people that you can be in both sides of that. Like there aren't, you, you, you're, you're two people, you're 50 people. So there's all these highs and lows that you're going to have personally and professionally. So you need to have those people who can take you, help you get further and support you in wherever you are in that journey, because it could change 50 times in one day. Amen, sister. Totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Now I have a question um, that I feel like we kind of touched on, but I didn't ask it dire directly. I ask it of everyone. How do you define joy? And maybe, you know, those, those terms aren't like top of mind, but maybe there's pictures or scenarios. So love to hear um, what you think that that means and, and, and how that means in your life. Well, joy to me, and this might be controversial for a lot of people, to, my, to me, it reminds me a lot of like a work-life balance and people, you, I don't believe in work-life balance, just like, and I'm not saying I don't believe in joy. I just believe that you can't have it all the time. There's mm -hmm. just no, there's no sense of what joy really is or what balance really is if you don't have the exact opposite of that all the time, not all the time, but enough. So for me, joy is actually more about small, tiny, microscopic bits throughout the day it isn't something that you're going to hold on to and be like, I am joyous to, like, I don't believe that's a thing. So I think joy comes from the small things, from the tiny, tiny things. And you can miss them if you let yourself get too hypercritical or too, too big picture like, that you can't, you know, can't see what's right in front of you. And my kid helped me a lot with this because mm -hmm. you'll, the things that he finds joy in, I'm like, this rock that you found on the ground, like, yay, that is a pretty leaf. And at first it really, it really bothered me because like we'd be on this walk and I'm like trying to like go on a walk for my own mental stability and be like, wait, I got to stop and pick this flower for you. And I'd be like, oh, I just want to like go on the walk. And then I realized that that's, that is the walk, like that's the joy. And it's made me much more hyper aware of the small celebrations that you have throughout your life, business and professional, you know, going outside and watching a sunset and seeing the stars. And it's very, I'm mean, for us, we're very nature oriented. So we, we see a lot of stuff outside. We love hiking and being outside. So a lot of that extra joy comes from observing things that are small, but big. Mm -hmm. Cause it's the small things that are going to really, you, you never know for, and this is a thing from my, my good friend who is a homeschooling mom and she's got her podcast on, on motherhood. And she talks there a lot about, you never really know what their first memory is going to be. It might be something tiny, like something that's so to you is like, Oh, but for them, it's that you being interested in the leaf that they brought to you. And mm -hmm. those little moments of joy are what I want to cultivate. And I do it actively, proactively. I, you have to mm -hmm. think about it and really try because it's it's hard as an adult to get into the little moments. It really yeah. is. We're so caught up in all of the BS and all of the bills and responsibilities that we forget that the, the joy in life is really a mindset shift and it's seeing all those things. And you've got you to be open to seeing them. When my whole story had started and like the trauma had just happened and we were trying to figure out how are we going to regroup? How are we going to rebuild? Joy was the first word that came to me. And we started off with just what I like to call joy in the smallest of moments, which is just what you're saying. And one of the things that helped were my dogs. 
or dog at the time. Now I have two because I just want more dogs. Um, so we would take uh, Chewy, my my four-year-old, for a walk. And it's it's a solid hour to get him like a mile down the road. It is not easy or fast, <laughs> but it's so sweet. And he's sniffing things and he's chasing squirrels and chasing birds. And it's like, he's having a great time. You're annoyed because you have a call in 30 minutes and you know, if you don't turn around now, it's going to take you at least that to get back. So I started to just look at it differently. Like I live in Boston and detest winter. Sorry about that. He has nothing to do, but if you see anything in this room, it's like a jungle gym of magic. <laughs> I see you, kid. He has everything to do. But we would we would just look around and mommy's on the phone. Remember, they had to say you extra quiet when mommy's on the phone. <laughs> oh, I understand that. You'll have to wait till Christmas though. Presents okay, make me joy better. Moment there. Joy moment there. Because my son would walk in, he's now 17, and he will still grab my pile of sticky notes and write the question on the sticky note. So still being interrupted, just maybe not speaking, but also nothing relevant. It's usually, hey, um, for Christmas, I would like this completely random thing that you don't need to know about or talk about right now. <laughs> it's exactly. really important I get this off my chest. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. It's one of those things that could have like, it's almost like, could this have been an email? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's true. And then you, you savor those moments and you're like, wow, that's so insignificant. Okay. But it's a big deal to them. And that's the thing that's the big difference is that everything is a big deal. Everything lights them up. Everything is new and exciting and just amazing. And at what point do we lose that joy of our lives? Like the little things of like, oh my gosh, look at the swirls on my coffee. They're amazing. Look, it's beautiful for so many reasons. So when do we lose that joy that he seems to have over every tiny little thing that's like, I must disclose this information to you at this exact moment. This is big stuff. It is awesome. usually around nine or 10. And it is this tiny, just like, like you said, it is this tiny memory. It could be something somebody said that was actually really insignificant, but for some reason it locked in your brain as like a detour. And it's, it's fascinating. My Reiki healer just the other day was like, she was telling me about the reading and she said something about my hands. And she's like, did you feel any discomfort in your hands during our session? I was like, no. Yes. Oh my gosh. My hands fell asleep. And she's like, yeah, I was balancing your sacred masculine with your divine feminine, peeling away the layers of corporate. And there was something else that she found where she had burned something behind my heart. And I actually have this like, it's you, you can see it if I get close, but I have this bruise over my eyelid and I have peeling skin right here. And she saw like the peeling of the dragon scales. It was all part of my healing. And it was like, wow. And, and I knew exactly what moment in time that came from. And to be able to like visualize it, see it, say that was a story I told myself that wasn't true and let it go was so liberating. But then my hands falling asleep, I was like, that's so wild. Got some joy from that. That's <laughs> crazy. It is. I wouldn't have believed it if you told me the story, but it did happen. So I'm curious, um, what is one lesson or piece of advice that you wish you knew or you had been given by someone when you started as an entrepreneur and how do you think if you had listened to it, how would that have changed the outcome today? I, oh my God, my, my old self, one. I want to go, <laughs> go back to my old self and just smack her around a little bit. So I think, I think one of the big ones, one of the, the ones that has really affected me the most is I thought I had to, to do everything right. Mm -hmm. I thought I had to be this example of strong woman who's going to do her business, who's going to rock, be a rock star from the from the get go, and I I felt like I really couldn't show any weakness to anybody because not only had I left a great career to like go out on my own, and so I felt like I had to make the same amount of money right away and like show everybody that I can do this, and I was doing it alone. 
And I thought because I was a perfectionist, I thought I had to have it all figured out. I thought I had to know what I was doing and be this perfect version of what I thought the world thought I was supposed to be. And so even though I feel like I didn't, it wasn't necessarily that I cared what other people thought. It's that I cared what my overall perception, like outlook, what the outward vision of me was, not because I really cared about them, but because I cared about this brand I was trying to create. And in actuality, I really held myself back a lot. I played really small because I, I didn't want people to see me fail. So I did what I knew I could do and I achieved what I knew I could achieve. But if I had just let myself suck a bit more, I would have done so much better. And I'll give you an analogy of this because I live in Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii for 17 years and I'm, I'm not a good surfer. And the reason I'm not a good surfer is I never wanted to, to fall off my board in front of people. Like I didn't want to be a beginner. And oh, okay. Just to be clear, no one falls off gracefully. Your legs are in like five different directions. So yeah, and you come up, you've got like, snot coming out of your face <laughs> and like you got like, hair over, you lose your top. Like it, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to fail. I didn't want people to see me I as that. less. And so I didn't try and I would go out, I would only paddle out into waves that I knew I could catch, or I would only go out when there wasn't anybody I cared about around who would see me fall. And I, I only went out with like small little groups of friends where we were purposely being goofy. And so like, if I fell, it was like a group falling, like we're all, we're all going to fall. Ha ha. But I never challenged myself and I never pushed myself. And I think in the beginning stages of my business, that fear of failure and of, of seeing, of people seeing and perceiving me as a failure really held me back. And it made me play small for a really long time. And, and I wish that I had failed more because when I look back at my career, uh, which, I mean, it's still going, so it's not like I'm the end of my career, but when I look back at the things I've done, my fastest teachers were the big failures. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had some huge, huge failures. And we're talking like I bounced a $50,000 check. I was calling bankruptcy lawyers. I mean, like, I think, I think I'm, I think this is bankruptcy. Like, I think I'm in bankruptcy. And like the next month I sold a business for, you know, half a million dollars. So like, I think we get so bogged down in what people are going to think and, and these failures and not wanting to have the failures, but the failures are what are going to get going to push you further. And, and if you think, we talked about at the very beginning, like this Instagram version of ourselves, and I'm not going to say I don't do it, but you go to my Instagram feed, like, yeah, I look relatively pulled together in just about everything, though you can see some of my lives, you're like, whoo, she's had a long day. Uh, <laughs> because most of my lives are like after my kids gone to sleep. But I think you you look back at these Instagram, these, these curated versions of our, ourselves, and it's not like they're completely untrue. However, what you don't see are all of the failures, all of the things that got you there, mm -hmm. because there are plenty of horrible things that we've done to ourselves, to other people. I mean, I was a steamroller, so I, I was super mean as a, as a beginning entrepreneur. I was like a ball buster, like you know, get out of my way or, you know, do what, do what I say or get out of my way. I, I, I was that, I was that boss for a long, long time. I will admit to my faults in there and it held me back. And I wish if I could go back and say anything to myself, it would be fail faster. Don't worry about whatever people see because people are going to see what they want to see. Even when you are a success, you're going to have people who are going to try to bring you down. And honestly, if you don't have people who hate you a little bit, I'm, I'm not sure you're pushing yourself enough because every as every success, there's going to be new failures, there's going to be new problems. And so if you're worried about having a ripple effect in your life, you're worried about those negative things, you're worried about failure, you're worried about you know a new lawsuit, you're going to hold yourself back because with every new success, there's going to come a new problem and you've got to embrace that because if you don't, you're just sitting in this stagnation. You've got to be okay with being uncomfortable. You've got to be okay with the new problems that are going to arise. And you should actually enjoy and, and look forward to them because like, I'm not saying look forward to a tax audit and a lawsuit in the same year. <laughs> However, that was when I jumped from, you know, $90,000 in revenue to 400,000. Like there was a huge jump in my revenue. And so I had a new problem that came up and I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. 
I'd much rather have the problem of needing to hire a legal team than the problem of never making ends meet or never seeing my legacy grow. So when you're talking about the fact that you kept yourself small and held yourself back, were the problems the the pivot point? Like, did the problems give you that, you know, moment of clarity to say, oh, if I start to look at my scenarios this way, I'll I'll invite more abundance, less scarcity. Like, was yes that and no. I don't know. I don't know if they were necessarily the pivot point, but they were a big smack in the face for me to look at what was actually happening. Because when you have these, so I guess in some ways, yeah, it was a pivot point because when you see a failure, it hits you harder. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know why it seems like our, our failures are so much bigger than our successes. And I mean, I'll say like, you have like a, an award on the shelf and like, oh yeah, it was great. But then like the next second you're doubting yourself or you're, you're coming into imposter syndrome or you're, you know obsessing over a missed comma on some random post that most people are going to look at and never even know that there's a grammatical error. (laughs) Also me. me, Yeah. So for whatever reason, the negatives will sometimes for me anyway, will hit harder and I will hold on to them longer. And it is, I had to learn that mindset shift and really understand that those, those, problems are actually just, they're just challenges that I can overcome. And so you have to shift the way you think about them. And with that shift comes bigger changes and it comes a realization of how you can do things, how you can be more solution oriented, how you can get yourself out of it or sit in it because you need to, because there's a lesson there that you need to really unpack to, in order to grow and reach the next level. That's right. They're mirrors for us. So it's the thing that we haven't yet learned and that's why it's hitting us so hard. So I love everything you're saying. I feel like I could talk for the next 10 years. Um, I do have a question, just a couple of questions left, or I will let this go on for 10 years, just so we're clear. So I have a methodology and I think I'm hilariously funny called the snap method. And it's something that I've developed to help people redirect their response to triggers retire those limiting beliefs. Um, Because I believe it's the limiting beliefs that will lead to our demise, right? And so just like you're saying, you know, you can start to believe these terrible things about yourself and um, you can definitely get sucked into that vortex of, of just sadness. Or you can look at this challenge as an opportunity to then learn from it. So I feel like we touched on, on, on some of this where you know, you had some some limiting beliefs and you kind of use that to fuel this this pivot. When you're working with business owners, what would you say are the top limiting beliefs that they've encountered um, that kind of put them at that crossroads? Like if I don't get out of my own way, I'm going to hit bankruptcy or like, so you're at this pivot point and you can choose to go left or right, right being, you know, towards growth left towards closing your business. Is there like a a recurring theme that you tend to encounter? I'm just curious. Oh yeah. So the top two I hear all the time is that's not going to work for me or I can't, you know, I can't charge that or no one's going to, you know, I was going to pay that or I, there's a devaluing of their product or service or themselves Mm -hmm. where they don't really understand the value of their own time and they haven't shown their customers of the value of their time. And they, so there's a lot of money mindset for sure. I, I know I can think of a couple of clients I have right now who are really struggling or really struggled in the beginning working with me of understanding that it's okay to say no, it's okay to ask for more, it's okay to say no to a client and to not take on a client because they aren't meeting your ideal needs, uh, whether that be because they're not the right fit for you as a coach or as a whatever it is you do, or that they're they're making you feel less and making you feel like you're not worth what you're worth. And I'm not saying that you should just everybody should charge a million dollars and not actually be worth anything. That's not what I'm saying. It's but there is a money mindset there that a lot of my clients and a lot of business owners feel like they can't hit that target. Like it's, oh, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like I could never. And I was just talking to one yesterday just, where I asked her what her, her monthly goal was for her business. And she gave me this, this goal that was 
way lower than it should have been, almost half of what it really should have been based on her business. I'm not, wasn't just throwing numbers out of nowhere. And she, when I told her the number I thought should be, I should be, she should be closer to, she's like, I could never get that. I could never do that. And when I asked her why, she didn't have a real reason. There was no like, oh, well, so-and-so is going out of town and I have to close the business for two weeks because there's a renovation. Like there was no real reason why their revenue wouldn't get there the, because the reason was her. Yeah. And, she, and, and there's a lot of that money mindset that comes up that, and this is one of the hardest things to really instill in a, in a business owner, particularly, well, actually a new and older business owners, is that a lot of the biggest problems that you're having in your business are not for any other circumstance other than you. Yep. That you as the owner are probably the reason you're having that problem. And that's a really, really hard lesson to learn. It was for me and a lot of my businesses when I originally first got a coach in one of my businesses, you know, it's like the Taylor Swift song. Like, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. Like, I'm the problem. <laughs> it's me. And it really is true. So that's one of the number one things I hear is, is oh, it's not going to work for me. Well, it's not going to work for you because you're not going to let it work for you. Right. That's not going to work because you're not letting it work. So-and-so will never do that. My, my, my manager will never be okay with that shift because you haven't set them up for success. So-and-so is always, this, this, this employee is always breaking the rules. They're never going to follow them because you didn't set them up right. We That's were just probably. having that conversation the other day. Somebody was talking about like their personal life and my husband will never do X. And it's like, well, you kind of told him he didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah. And you're to say, oh, how do I, you know, kind of like unpack that and push it in another direction. But it, it is the exact same principle in business. Mm -hmm. It just has a different look and feel to it. Yeah. And it's a mindset thing. It really, and it's a, when you really think about it, when you sit down, you're like, why, you know, cause <laughs> this time of year, I think, and I don't know when the podcast is coming out exactly. However, this time of year, this is, you know, December or almost December. It's basically the year holidays, uh, you tend to kind of look at your life and where it's going and have I re reached my yearly goal and what can I do? And, oh, so-and-so did so well in their business. How come it's not happening to me? It's happening to you because you're not putting in the work. You didn't put in the right action steps. Maybe you're putting in work, but it's the exact opposite work that you need to be doing. Like, yeah. Maybe you're putting all your effort into making reels, but you're not looking at any call to action. Like maybe you're you're just not on the right path that you thought you had. Like you actually have to look at it and understand that if you're not where you want to be, it's probably because of you. And, you know, we all like to throw it out as, oh, it's COVID is the reason or inflation is the reason, or my team isn't living up to my expectations. That's the reason it's not. And like, that's a really yeah. hard thing to unpack and it can make you if you don't approach it in the right way, it can put you on a downward spiral. If you're like, oh, I am the reason everything, it doesn't work because I'm horrible. Uh, it's, it's easy to fall into that world. And it's important for self-growth, for your personal and professional career that you understand that if something's triggering you, it's not everybody else's responsibility to get you out of it. You've got a deep dive and what, why is that bothering you? And how can you get out of it yourself and what and, and, and when I say get out of it yourself, it might mean that you have to seek help from somebody else, but you've got to acknowledge it in yourself that there's an issue there. So like for a business standpoint, if you're not hitting your numbers, you've got to really look at why that is and not just assume it's everybody's outside force. There's a lot of self deep diving there. It's a lot of taking personal responsibility for where you are in your life. And you know, I talk about this with my one of my business partners all the time, this whole victim mentality of oh, it's because of this. It's because of this. Like, you know, I think COVID is, yeah, it's not like COVID was a great example of that. Like outwardly, nobody really could have predicted. I mean, depending on where you fall in the conspiracy of it, nobody could have predicted those kind of outcomes that quickly businesses shutting down, like bankruptcies, like there was a huge shift there. Mm -hmm. And so what, what do you do next? Such innovation and opportunity, though. I mean, the restaurants to me were like, yeah, that's what Target pickup. <laughs> Where was Target pickup when I was had a newborn in the car and I didn't want to take him out of the car seat? Yeah, Target exactly. pickup then. So oh, I, I just 
there was a lot of innovation that came from there because people shifted and pivoted. They changed the way it was. They took what they had, this huge problem, this huge challenge, and they flipped the script and they were able to create a new reality for themselves and seize that opportunity and become more solution oriented because they didn't have a choice. Or conversely, they could sit in that and be, woe is me. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, this has been amazing. I have you know, two more things to run through with you. One, shameless self-plug. Yeah. Here I go. Um, so the show, is, the show is called Joy Unleashed, and I have just released over really the past couple of months this best-selling journal that I'm so proud of called The Daily Dose of Joy. Oh, here she is. I like, I like her to make a little... Isn't she cute? Thank you. She's so cute. It's like, I'm so inspired to write. But, or and because I believe in that too. Uh, I think it's one of my core tenets that keep me feeling, well, I know it is, not think. Keep me really uh, grounded and firmly rooted in joy from the jump every single day where I just pour out my thoughts, my ideas, my uh, fears, which I quickly turn into opportunities, right? So I'm just curious because I feel like a lot of um, my viewers are probably searching for what really works for them. So hoping you can share a couple of your core tenants and maybe that inspires them to develop their own. Yes, there are a lot of things that I do to, to get out of this crazy psycho head of mine. And I, <laughs> and I say that with love because I couldn't do all the things I do if I didn't have a little bit of like, hmm. so for me, I really find joy in, in, Taking time, and I do I do journal to some extent. I, I mean, I'm a writer too, so I do journal and have these like long lists of things that I want to accomplish, and not because it's like a to-do list, but they're to dream list and to get my juices flowing. I'm also a really big on finding a hobby that I didn't make into a job. It was like a big weakness of mine. Like every time I had something I was really interested in, I'm like, I'm gonna make this monetary, I'm gonna monetize everything. And so now I've been really trying to embrace not monetizing things because then I get into this focus of now I have another job and I, I get hyper-focused on a work thing rather than making it a passion project just for the sake of loving it. So finding things that really uh, light you up with absolutely no intention to make it monetary or even to share it necessarily. Uh, and there are even some books that I've written that I have absolutely no intention of publishing. It's more just for my own personal, and it's like a journal. It's like, it's, yeah. but for me, because I have to be formal about everything, I wrote it down as a book. Like maybe one day, maybe this will be something I, I publish posthumously, like when I'm dead, like family will find it and they'll publish it and make money off of me. I don't know. Well, let's not rush that one, but okay. <laughs> we'll have a soon. However, uh, I think that it's really important to find those those outlets for self-expression, whatever that means yes. to you, because not everybody's a creative person. Like not everybody wants to like, like never wants to make make giant candies for their outdoors display. Like I don't know if you can see them, but like I've got these like giant gingerbread men in the background here. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. Uh, but you've got to find like define what that is for you. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is for you specifically, not what Pinterest says you should be doing, not what your mom's group says you should be doing, not what your mentor says you should be doing, like what lights you up, find that thing and nurture it in whatever way you can. Even if it's only like a tiny one thing a day, like a, like a five minute mm -hmm. exercise, because I think that's, you know, if you're talking about fitness in the beginning of, we get so caught up in the idea that if I'm not working out for an hour, then it's not worth my time. Like, well, maybe working out for five minutes is all you can do, but that's going to get you further. So same thing with journaling. Like if you don't have 30 minutes to sit down and journal about your deepest thoughts, you you probably have two. Like take a look at your screen yeah. time. You probably have a couple of minutes there <laughs> that you can divert towards something that's really going to light you up. And so to me, it's those small micro doses of things because as a busy person, you might not have time but you have time for yourself. If you make time, it's a prioritization issue. It's not about being busy. It's about not making priorities for yourself. So if it's important and you want to nurture it and you want to grow it, then make time because it's not going to magically happen. You've got to make the time and understanding that that prioritization could literally be one minute of your day and knowing that that's okay too. Beautiful. 
I have uh, your passive income guide that I wanted to put up on the screen. As we come to a close, are there a couple of little nuggets that you can share that get people curious and wanting to know more? What will they find when they download the passive income guide? So I'm going to tell you what you're not going to find. You're not going to find get rich quick. You're not going to find a bunch of schemes of like links to 50 different affiliate things that are going to make you a million dollars today. This is more of a realistic passive income guide, but it does take work. So nothing in here is going to be, I'm going to sign up for this and I'm going to make a million dollars. You see them all the time on Instagram and everywhere really. Yeah. These are, all of these require some work to set up. So they all make you money while you sleep, but they do take work to set up first. And I think that people have a misconception of passive income because they think, oh, it's passive. I can just, you know, nine I'm here. Yeah, nine I wake up into have like ten thousand dollars, and sometimes that happens. But there's work that you had to put in to get there. So all of these can make you money while you sleep, and I definitely believe in multiple income streams. I live and swear by them. That's what got me through COVID in that first month where I was like, my businesses are all closed. What can I do? It's a good thing I have money coming in. So none of them are instantaneous. They do require a little bit of work. However, these are long-term things that can make you money and can diversify the way you make money and are not just on the digital world. They're not just in the physical world. There's multiple ways. And a lot of them rely on strategic alliances and connecting with people and, and really making it worth it. So it's not cringy. There's nothing yucky in any of this list. It's not going to, I don't have to sign up for some weird third party something. It's all very like 90% of it you do your own or you're using a creative outlet and using what you already have to grow wealth in the background. Nothing cringy or yucky. I, I like can't even put that in a passive income document in the same sentence. And yet you did. So I'm thrilled. We're going to put that link also in the show notes. Um, any, any parting thoughts before we wrap? You know, I just thank you for having me on the show. And for everybody who is feeling the extra stress, whether it's holiday stress or taxes stress, because as soon as the holidays come, then there's taxes. Mm, what yeah, are, what are you your stress? Yeah, you're welcome. Anxiety. So wherever you fall in that world, Take time for yourself and know that that stress in some ways is self-inflicted and you can rise above it, even if it's only for 30 seconds of joy in your day. There is joy there. There is light. There is progression if you let yourself feel it. Beautiful. I can't think of a better way to wrap. So thank you, Amanda. This has been an awesome discussion and um, I look forward to many, many more. I hope so too. Well, this has been another episode of Joy Unleashed. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. Thank you for tuning in to Joy Unleashed. As always, it's my honor to be your host and joyologist, Colleen Greco. Follow me at the Colleen Greco on Instagram for daily motivation and inspiration. And don't forget to leave my show a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, sisters. <laughs>